Does planning for retirement bring out the stress in you? You're not alone. On today's show, we'll highlight six potential retirement stressors to avoid. It's all about your retirement. You're going to want to have an additional check to come in to maintain your lifestyle. For the retirement referees, Steve Caruso knows all the plays of the game. One thing we know for sure is that life isn't static. Retirement doesn't have to be complicated. Things are going to happen to you over the course of your retirement. Whatever the future, planning is key. The easiest way to make decisions from strength is to have money to fall back on. Welcome in to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. And welcome, everybody, to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. It's the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. How are you doing today, Steve? It's a great weekend. I'm great, Teresa. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And also, you are president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the Eastern Seaboard. And most important, folks, he is a fiduciary. And what that means is he's got your best interests in mind. Uh, he's not out here trying to sell a product or earn a commission. He wants to take the time to listen to what your concerns are and your plans for the future. So that is important. So we've got a, a survey we're going to talk about now. According to a 2020 survey by the Employee Benefit Research Institute, 61% of people said Preparing for retirement makes them feel stressed. Gee, I can't imagine why. Uh, <laughs> let's see if we can begin to relieve some of that stress in this segment. First one, and this seems so important, not having a written income plan for life. That, that would stress me out quite a bit. Yeah, no, that's one of the reasons why people are so stressed, right, is because they, they worry about the unknown. And so if we think about the root of stress, it's it's the things that we fear are usually things that we don't really know. So what a plan does is it actually sheds some light on, on your situation. And so basically soon to be retirees, um, you know, when, when they survey them, they'll say their biggest fear is outliving their money. And so if you do a plan, then you have at least an idea if you have enough money or not. Too many people go into retirement with a plan of hope and prayer. And there's certainly nothing wrong with being hopeful and being prayerful, but it's not a, it's not a retirement income plan. And so if you're just winging it and hoping for the best, that's not the best way to go through retirement. What, ha what having a written plan does is it gives you a, a guide map, so to speak. And so if you use it correctly, you'll always know where you are and you can kind of check your gauges. So if you think of it sort of like a, uh, like a, an Apple watch or a Fitbit, right? Um, if you're, if you're working with an advisor and you have a plan, the plan is a living, breathing thing where you can check it. So when we have a, a market like we had last March, you can see how that actually impacted not just the numbers on your statement, but how it impacted you towards your goal of retiring. And so that's, you know, it helps you prioritize your costs. It helps you track your spending. It, it really helps you get to where you want to go. Yeah, because you need that in place because you got to have something because you're, otherwise you're you're flying blindly and, and that, that makes sense. Um, also, too, using the wrong investment return assumptions in your income plan prior to and in retirement. And this is the most common mistake that we see um, on, on a, almost all the time. So unfortunately, our industry has a lot of people that will call themselves retirement specialists, or they don't know anything about retirement distribution, they might be um, a life insurance salesman or, you know, a bank representative. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell you, oh, you know, you can comfortably plan on this making you 12%, because for the last 40 years, it's made 12%. But they don't look at where the things are, where the investments are relative to their historically long term average. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, a lot of times someone will go into the bank and they'll say, oh, you're, you're making nothing in the bank. Why don't you go into this bond fund? This bond fund has averaged 6.5% for the last 40 years. Well, bonds move opposite interest rates. So 40 years ago, interest rates were 17% and you got a toaster when you went into the bank to open an account where they were giving you 17%. <laughs> Sorry. Now, now, now you're lucky if they give you, they give you a pencil 
and because even those are chained to the desk, and uh, <laughs> right, and they give you a, they give you a hundredth of a percent interest. So, um, if bond prices move opposite interest rates, we've just had the greatest forty-year period in the history of bonds. But many financial plans are still projecting bonds at a six to six and a half percent return, when all likelihood they're going to return somewhere between one and two percent. And so that kind of overestimating is deadly to a retirement plan. And I think we talked about this last week. I mean, they don't put on the bottom of those those investment proposals, past performance is not indicative of future results. They, they don't put that in bold letters for their own health. It's because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to you want to make reasonable projections of of what the investments are going to return. And it's always better to be more cautious when you're making assumptions. So if you think looking at the historical trends um, and where we are relative to the long-term average, if you think that a market, an asset class is gonna, your portfolio say is gonna average 6%, if you plan on it averaging 4% and it does better, then you just have more money. But if you plan on it averaging 9% and it does 4%, now all of a sudden it's much harder to make adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. And that number to call, Steve, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Just getting back to the the, the bank. I remember um, years ago, the bank that my parents had, we always had these milk glass vases, like the white glass. We, used to, mm-hmm. we had so many of them, and it all came from the bank, and glasses and all that kind of stuff. I guess it was from different accounts that they would, here you go, here's your free gift. But like you said, you're not even getting that this, anymore. So. Yeah, no, the, the 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 era of free gifts is a, a long, has long since passed. I mean, they, um, I don't know anyone from the the New York area. They the gas stations used to give out those Hess toy trucks. I had a oh, colleague right. that used to collect all of the Hess toy trucks every mm-hmm. year at, at Christmas time. So right, right. Remember um, the commercials for them too. Yep. And so uh, <laughs> you know, the, but we we don't see that anymore. No, no. Yeah, the good days are over from the for the banks. That's for sure. All right. So next one, taking too much risk with investments. Going to have some, but you don't want to overdo it either. Well, how do you know you're taking too much risk, right? Mm, And this is the question I always ask people because someone will come into, they'll meet with a financial advisor who will just arbitrarily say, oh, you're taking too much risk. You always want to look at the angle that that financial advisor is is coming from. And so that's why it's important that you're working with a fiduciary. And we we say that every show, you know, that I'm a fiduciary, but- there are different types of advisors. So some advisors are paid a commission on transactions, right? Um, so people like insurance agents or um, brokers, uh, typically like your bank representative will get paid an upfront commission when they sell you a mutual fund or a variable annuity. And so they might tell you you're taking too much risk because it, it feeds into the narrative of whatever they're trying to sell you, not because it's in your best interest. Um, a fiduciary can either be fee-based or fee-only. Um, a fee-based fiduciary should be acting in your, your best interest, but a lot of times, too, their, their judgment gets a little bit clouded when it comes to fees because they might roll you over from, say, a, a retirement plan, like if you're a government employee like the TSP, where you're paying five one-hundredths of a percent in expenses, and then they'll roll you into an IRA with them where they're charging you 1% a year on it. So- is it technically in your best interest? Yes, because you have only five choices available in your, your TSP and you now have thousands of choices in the IRA. But is there a better way to do it? Um, possibly. And so what a, what a fee-only financial planner is, which is what I am, is you're charging a flat fee um, for the advice. And so what it does is it, it clouds out any of the it keeps your judgment from being clouded by the way you're being compensated by products because you're not being compensated by the products. And so um, getting back to risk, you could be taking too much risk, but you'll never know that unless you've actually crafted a well-defined goal. So the reason we take risk intrinsically is to achieve something, right? So, and I don't know if you've ever gone skydiving or anything crazy, but, um, you do it. You, the reason you do one of those those types of things, and I, I went bungee jumping once when I was younger. Oh wow! It scared the hell out of me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you do it because it's a, it's a great story, and you do it for fun. You took the risk because there was something that you wanted. When you when you went out and met your spouse, you went up and had that first conversation because it was a risk that you wanted. There was something that you wanted to achieve from it. There you go. So you have you have to start with your goals. 
So you have to look and say, all right, well, what is the lifestyle I want to live in retirement? And then you, then once you know that, then you can assign a cost to it. Once you know the cost, then you can look and say, all right, um, I have enough to meet that goal. So then you can reduce risk. But what if the opposite is true? What if you have a pretty aggressive lifestyle or spending wise that you want to live in retirement and you don't have enough saved? Well, then it might be perfectly reasonable to take risk. And so a lot of times when someone says you're taking too much risk, they're not, they're not framing it correctly. And so that's why I ask, how do you know if you're taking too much risk? Yeah, that, and that's important clarification too, and, and and that's true. Don't know if I would do bungee jumping. I think the biggest risk so far that I've taken, I, I've, I've moved without a job, but luckily I moved to an area where there's plenty of, plenty of great paying jobs, great jobs, and I did I did land one within two months. So I guess that was the biggest risk for me. So there you go. You never know. Yep. Got, but there was it. something that you wanted. You wanted to live in that different that different area. Exactly. So. And I wanted a better future for myself. So you, you got to take some risks, risks sometimes too, in order to do that. And uh, also to uh, not enjoying the people and activities you care about. You got to do that. Yeah. So this is being overly frugal. And we don't see this as much with baby boomers, but I've been doing retirement distribution planning since the 90s. So a lot of my initial clients were depression era survivors. And you would see this with that generation uh, quite a bit where they just would refuse to spend money. Um, they could have, you know, they could have a desperate need for a new air conditioning and they won't, they won't spend the money even though they have hundreds right. of thousands of dollars in the bank. Right. And so, um, you know, you can't take it with you. So, you know, you shouldn't deprive yourself of things that you can do while you're younger for the hope of having more money. Cause what happens is you just end up having extra money at the end, um, that you could have used to enjoy your life today. And so how do you know if you're going to have extra money in the end? Well, doing a plan and monitoring that plan. And that's something that you could set up for the folks, uh, and, and give, give, give more details on that right now. Yeah, absolutely. So it's about doing everything in moderation, Teresa. It's figuring out what's, what the goals are and, What's the right amount of stocks to own? What's the right amount to put into an annuity? What's the right amount to have in the bank? It boils down to what, what, is, what do you want your money to do for you? So how do you know what you need? Um, and how do you determine how the best way to get there is? Well, you start with a plan. And so for the first 15 callers today, we're going to put that plan together for absolutely free. And uh, you know this is going to give you a roadmap on how to get to where you want to go. Okay. And that number to call Steve, it's 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. This is for retirees and pre-retirees. Common sense planning and straight talk. Instead of a financial double talk and a sales pitch, you might get somewhere else, folks. You just need to sit down and get that financial roadmap put together. And Steve's going to translate the complex financial world into something that just makes sense. It's an excellent chance for you to get a true practical financial review. Again, that number to call. It's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. What's ahead in our next segment, Steve? When we come back, we'll highlight several potential errors that could jeopardize your well-planned retirement and offer solutions to avoid them. Thank you, Ocala, for spending your Sunday morning with us. You are tuned to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. And Steve, he's also a, a sought-after speaker, and you've been brought in to train advisors at some of the largest financial firms and insurance companies, and you do present around the country. And uh, you've got over two decades of experience. So that's definitely somebody you want on your side. Absolutely. So we're talking about, you know, uh, making mistakes. We don't want to make them when we're planning for our retirement. But, uh, you know, inevitably some of us are going to. And we've got some things that um, to look out for when it comes to your retirement and making mistakes. Uh, one of the first ones is giving too much money to the kids. You want to help them out, of course, but you've got to take care of yourself. Yeah, or as I like to say, what happens when your kids come back to the nest and then fry your nest nest egg over hard? Right? <laughs> or maybe maybe it's over easy. I don't know. It depends on how, how easy you give up the money. Right. Um, 
So it's easy to fall into that trap, that's for sure. And so sometimes um, you might have a situation where your, your children are in their mid-20s and still dependent on you, um, living on the couch or whatnot. Uh, but there's other situations too with, parent, uh, with parents where you might have a, a child get divorced in their you know, early 30s and come back home for a period of time. Um, or they might hit some hard times financially and they might need you to loan them money. Uh, so it's, it's great to be able to help your kids, but you want to make sure that it's not causing you to be in peril to, to give, to give to them. And so, um, easiest analogy is when you think about, um, you know, flight, the flight safety person pitch that they give you at the beginning of every airline flight, right? You put your own mask on first before you help others. And right. so yeah, the same, the same idea here. Uh, when when looking at helping the kids, because your nest egg can go pretty quickly, especially if you have a child who has um, a problem and, and you become an enabler of that problem, like a, a gambling problem or a drinking problem, and you're constantly giving them money, um, you're actually doing them more harm than good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, that is the perfect analogy about the mask, you know, putting that on and helping yourself so you can help others. Um, also to blindly believing when your financial professional says you're going to be okay. <laughs> uh, again, how do you know you're going to be okay if you don't have a written plan? What are they basing? What are they basing that on? What do the numbers say? Right? So you have to look at the numbers and you have to compare, you have to overlay them against your goals. So for example, you could have someone who spends $25,000 a month. I've had clients that their lifestyle costs them twenty-five dollars to $30,000 a month. Someone might objectively look at the fact that they have $3 million saved and say, hey, you're going to be okay. But then when you actually run the numbers and you factor in inflation and taxes, um, maybe they don't have enough, right? So it's, you know, and the opposite is true too. Someone could tell you, I one time early in my career, I had a, I had a client who I, I got from another advisor where the advisor told her she could never retire. <laughs> and so she came to me and I said, well, what are your goals? And we, we, we talked about what she wanted her retirement to look like. And it turns out she actually had, she didn't have a substantial amount of money, but she had enough money between pension, social security, and the, 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 the little bit that she had saved in retirement accounts to actually live her lifestyle pretty comfortably. And so um, we, we tend to just look at the raw numbers or some financial planners just look at the raw numbers and say, oh, you're, you're going to be okay. Or they might tell you the opposite. You're not going to be okay. And unless you actually drill down and craft that well-defined goal, you, you know, and put and overlay the numbers, you're not going to, you're not going to know for sure if you're going to be okay. Right. Right. So that's definitely important. You got to, got to know those numbers. Also to more mistakes you can make missing out on an employer match, leaving money on the table. You don't want to give up free money. I mean, it's, you know, if you, if you walk down the street and you found a hundred dollar bill on the sidewalk, you're going to pick it up. Right. So why don't we do that with our 401k plans? Um, so if you have a 401k where the employer is matching and you're not claiming the, the full amount, well, that's, that's a hundred percent return on your money, right? That's they're giving you the money for free. So if you, right. if all you have to do is contribute 5% and they're going to match 5%, you're getting that same amount of money for free. So it, you know, it's silly not to do that. And you're literally leaving when you factor in compounding interest. If you're, if you were, if you forgot to do that for say 20 years, you're leaving potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table. And so, you know, that's just a, a really, really silly mistake that can easily be avoided. Yeah. Like you said, you know, why, why leave free money behind? That's definitely, definitely not something you want to do. Also too, not taking advantage of tax breaks for retirement. Yeah. So this is another one. So this is, I call, this is what I call uncle Sam as your silent partner. Mm -hmm. And so this is when you make silly decisions based on, um, based on emotion a lot of times, right? So what, what you see, where we see this is like in March of last year. So now you're getting ready to retire and you have say a hundred thousand dollars in a, in an IRA. And all of a sudden it goes down to 70,000, like it, like it did in last March. Right. And you get nervous and rather than just stay invested, you pull all the money out of the IRA. Well, now you just made $70,000 of additional taxable income. 
And you would think that this never happens, but it happens a lot more than you think. And so, you know, you would, and you would think that like the, someone at the bank or the institution where you have the account would tell you they're under no obligation to tell you, Hey, that you're making a terrible mistake. So, um, especially a lot of these places are, you, you might have money and might be a do it yourself place like a Charles Schwab or, uh-huh. um, an E-Trade. So no one's going to tell you, Hey, don't take the 70,000 out of your IRA. You're going to have to pay income taxes on that. So now let's just say potentially you were making $40,000. Now you made 110,000. So what you've done is you've catapulted yourself into a higher tax bracket. And so instead of paying maybe 12% on your earnings, you're now paying say 24% on your earnings. So you're giving uncle Sam an extra 12 cents on the dollar. And so, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things. Also, where we see this is that if you have a lot, if you, the opposite of that, if you've been diligent, diligently saving. So now let's just say you're 55 years old. And um, I have a, a client I met with this week that fits this exact fact pattern, right? So they have seven figures saved up in their pre-tax retirement plan. They're still plugging away the money pre-tax into their plan because they just, they want the deduction but then their, their net check is more than what they're actually spending. So meaning they have, let's just say there's $10,000 a month that's getting deposited into their bank. They're spending eight. So 2,000 of it is not being spent. It's just sitting in a bank account. It'd be much smarter for them to lose the deduction and make those new contributions to a Roth where it's gonna grow tax-free. Because when that client hits 72 years old, they're going to, because of the size of their pre-tax retirement account, they're going to lose the ability to control their tax bracket because their minimum distribution is going to be so large. And so that's what we mean by properly planning for tax breaks. Okay. Okay. That's, that's good advice. And and it's good good to know. Um, There's just so much to take into consideration. So you definitely want an advisor that you can trust by your side. Next one um, is failing to track the fees you're paying. And they do add up over time. Yeah, they do. And that's, you know, one of the things that I look at a lot because, and we've talked about this numerous times, we, where the industry is, is per, is purposefully sneaky, I would say, when it comes to fees. And we talked about this, said that they'll break up a 3% fee into three 1% fees because it doesn't sound so bad. Um, you, you want to measure fees in dollars. So you want someone who's going to be transparent and will show you, hey, look, this is what you're actually paying in dollars. And if you do that, that's very eye-opening. All right. And our last one, it's not maintaining the right asset allocation. So far too many people are invested either too aggressively or too conservatively. The question becomes... What is the right asset allocation for you? You should be invested based on your goals. And how do you know um, the right allocation? Well, it's going to be based on what your spending is going to look like. So if you're too risky um, going into retirement, then you have the the ability to, to lose a big chunk of your retirement assets, which can be devastating right before you retire. So we typically say the three to five year window before retirement is when you should start to really segment your assets based on time, based on when you're going to use the money. So you don't want money that's going to be spent in the next five years in the stock market. And by doing that, you can make decisions from a position of strength. Because if you have the money that you need to live on for the next five years, set aside in safer investments, then when the market goes down, you're not worried because while the market has a bad month, maybe a third of the time has a bad year, it very seldom has a bad five-year period. And even in a bad five-year period like the depression, there are pockets where the market is pretty good. And so um, you want to maintain the right asset allocation and you want it to be time segmented. And so if you're right up against retirement now, it's really a great time for you to sit down with a financial planner. And that's something that we're offering today, Teresa, to the next 10 callers we're going to put together a retirement distribution plan. So if you've put this off, the great news is, is the market's still at all-time highs. So you still have the ability to reallocate your assets based on time segmentation. But you need to get you need to get a plan in place and figure out the right allocation for you going forward. And we're going to make that available to the next 10 callers. 
we're going to do a comprehensive retirement distribution plan that's going to look at some of the things that we just talked about. We're going to create a spreadsheet that's going to show you what you're paying in fees now and how you can reduce those fees. We are going to put together a retirement income stream for you. We're going to put together a bucket allocation, meaning we're going to show you how much money needs to stay conservative, how much needs to produce income, and how much is, should be invested for growth. And we're going to do that for absolutely free for the next 10 callers. And that number to call, Steve, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Today is your opportunity to build the tomorrow that you want. Folks, there's no cost or obligation to get a better handle on your financial situation. To find out what your investments are really costing you because of those high fees or commissions, what future tax implications will be, and how much income you can securely generate from that once you do move into retirement, pick up the phone and call Steve right now. Again, that number, 800 705 800-705-9995. And Steve is an advisor you can trust with over two decades of experience. And he's a fiduciary, folks. Again, we, we, we wanna, can't stress that enough. A fiduciary has got your best interest in mind. They're not pushing a product or, or trying to earn a commission. They're there to listen to you and your concerns for your future. Take the stress out of planning for your future retirement and call Steve right now. His spots are filling up and the phone is ringing. Give him a call right now, 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. What's on the way next, Steve? Getting to retirement is as much about spending as it is savings. We'll explain when we come back. Welcome back to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. You can also check out Steve's website at laurelwealthsolutions.com. And he is president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the Eastern Seaboard. And, and, you know, as you close in on retirement, it, it is important to figure out how much you are spending and how much or rather how you can make that last. Just because you've saved a million dollars, 500,000, even beginning at 200,000, it doesn't mean it'll last if you don't stick to a budget. Not much fun budgets are, but they are necessary. Um, the first one is to get a handle on how much you're spending now while you're still employed. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is one of the most critical things, Teresa. Um, and like we always say, and obviously the title of my book, there is no cookie cutter solution. And the reason there's no cookie cutter solution is because everyone spends differently in retirement. And so you want to really start with an accurate baseline of what you're, you're spending now while you're still working. And so the, the old rules of thumb don't work because people would say, oh, you can retire on 80% of your, your, you know, um, your pre-retirement spending. No, you can't. Mm -hmm. um, the reason is, is because everyone's spending is different. So actually close to a third of the people will end up spending at least what they were spending pre-retirement. And, and a lot of them will spend up to 25 to 30% more, um, especially in those first few years of retirement. So there is no, there is no hard and fast rule. You have to sit and, and actually do the work and, and put together a plan and, and hash out your goals. And so, you know, the old way of financial planning, and when I first started this, you know, uh, and now I've been, this is my 23rd year, we didn't have the technology that we have today, right? And so to get, tr to, to get in touch with people spending, what we would have to do is we would have them save every receipt for a three-month period, and I'd have them come in with a binder of what they spend, and then we would go through their expenses. Luckily for you today, you don't have to do that anymore because there's technology that can aggregate all of your spending from your bank accounts and from your credit cards into one website that will show you here's what you made in deposits and here's what went out the door. And then when you do like a cash withdrawal, you just have to, there, there'll be a, a box there for you to check in what that cash withdrawal was for. So you can actually code your spending on the computer. Why, why do you want to do that? Well, when you measure something, you make better decisions, right? So if you know what you're spending, uh, on your current lifestyle and you're happy in your current lifestyle, then you can use that as a baseline for your, for your retirement distribution plan. Um, if there's things that you know 
you're going to want to do in those first three to five years of retirement that are abnormal expenses for you, things that you don't normally do, then we would add those in and, and, and plan on you actually living on more money in retirement than what you're living now. Um, and if you're living, if your goal is to do more modest things like camping trips or taking the grandkids to Universal Studios, um, then we would we would budget we would just budget at what you're spending now. So, um, and the the reason you want to use a higher baseline is because if we plan on you spending more than what you actually spend, um, then it's easier to adjust, right? You just have more money. But if we plan on you spending less than what you're spending and you end up spending more, it's much harder to make adjustments. And since the spending is going to be the central, the central theme to the whole allocation, it's really important that we get that as accurate as possible. And it's an inexact science. So when we talk about spending, we're going to start with an assumption, but then we're going to track your expenses and we're going to look at what the actual numbers and the data tell us. And so we're going to look every three months and say, all right, you burn through this much cash. Let's make this adjustment or that adjustment. And that's why it's so critical to have an advisor who's doing ongoing review. Okay. Okay. That's all important. Definitely. Also too, setting goals, you mentioned this before, for the future and prioritizing in the present. You, you got to do that. That's important. Yeah, no, goals are you know, if you don't set a goal, then there's nothing to achieve. Right. So right. You, you need to, you need to have goals and you have to, and it's, it's not an easy conversation, right? Because a lot of us don't, when we're working, we're not taking time to really think what our retirement's going to look like. So what I always tell people is, cause I, I, this is a common, a common problem that people have is when you start asking them about their retirement, they don't, they don't really know what they want to do. They haven't, not everyone has, has, has really thought out what they want to do in retirement. So one of the first things I ask is, well, when you've had vacations from work, what are the things that you guys like to do? And so that's usually the, the stuff that you do when, you're, when you've had time off from work, you end up doing more of that in retirement. So if, if you like to go on to beach destinations, you're probably going to spend more time at the beach. Um, if you have historically gone to the national parks, you're going to probably spend more time going, going camping, going to the national parks. If you are babysitting your grandkids now while you're still working, guess what? Your kids are going to expect you to babysit more when you're not working. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, and so, um, you can kind of just look at that. And the, you know, the other one that people always say, oh, is, well, when I'm on vacation, I, I, I fix stuff around the house. Well, you know, plan on having a super duper honey to do list. Um, you know, when you retire that, but that honey do list gets done in like six to eight months. So you need to have some other things that, that you want to spend your time on. Uh, but it's important to have those goals and to look and to see what you're going to actually spend and actually give it some thought. And so that's, you know, you want to do that together too. So, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. Yeah. So when you get through, through the, well, honey do list number one, I'm sure this could be a honey do list number two somewhere. <laughs> the number Most to, likely. Yeah. Yeah. Number to call Steve, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Our next one is come clean and work as a team. Why would you want 12 limits? Because I'm making a 12 limit centerpiece. So no one's actually even eating them. They're just, they're show limits. Yeah. They're just show limits. And if you don't know that movie, that was from the breakup, but okay. it's, um, <clears throat> what are we spending money on? Right. And do you agree to what you're spending money on? So this is, you know, kind of point poking at it in jest about the 12 lemons, but mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes we, we spend stuff and we don't tell our spouse about it. Right. Right. And so this can lead to a lot of problems down the road. Um, number one, it's always, always a best practice to be honest with your spouse. Um, because it's a lot worse when you get caught later on. <laughs> um, that's true. That's, so, and, that, and that's a good, good rule of thumb for everything in life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so um, when you're planning for a joint retirement, right? So if you've, if, if you've always been having your finances together and you're going to be living and spending time together in retirement, it's important that that person knows all, all of what you're spending. So if you're, if you're kind of filtering money to the side and you have, you know, um, 
you know, a hobby or something you're spending on that you're not telling, you're not telling your spouse, you definitely want to come clean about that. And, uh, you know, it can be, it can be something as small as donations that you, you make and don't tell them about, or it could be obviously something a lot bigger. Um, but you definitely want to, you want to be honest with each other because a plan is not going to be good. If, if you're not honest with each other, then you're not going to be honest with the, the financial planner. Right. So, um, when you're sitting together, so you have to, you have to come clean and be honest with each other and work together because it's, it's one retirement that you're sharing together. Right. Right. And that's something you go over with your clients when you meet with them in person and, and take that all apart and make sure it's you're all on the same page. Absolutely. And the last one's never too late to start budgeting. And it's also never too early. It's all about budgeting, right? It's all about knowing what you're spending because when it, and I, I know I harp on this all the time, but if you measure it, you make better decisions, right? And if you track it, you make better decisions. And so it's really critical to, to monitor your spending. And maybe when you monitor your spending, you see, oh, you know what? I have, I actually have more deposits coming in than withdrawals. Well, what's the most tax efficient way for me to save that money? Is it to put it in the bank? Well, what if I already have $150,000 in the bank and that's enough for me to meet my expenses for the next three years or five years? Maybe it's smarter than to, to take some of that money and put it into a Roth or they have, um, they have ways now, even if you make too much income for, for a Roth contribution, there are ways that you can get money into the Roth called the backdoor Roth IRA. Um, so knowing, knowing the, what you're spending is critical even 10 years before you retire. Um, it's just, it's just a good thing. It's a, it's a best practice to do. And so, um, again, the, the critical thing is to build, it builds a discipline, but like anything, um, what, what keeps you coming back and what keeps you on track is not just having a plan, but it's having a guide, right? Having someone who's going to help keep you organized, help keep you on track, and most importantly, hold you accountable. So while a plan gives you a map, a financial planner gets you through the rough terrain to where you need to be. And so we still have seven more spots left, Teresa. And for the next seven callers, we're going to put together a plan for free. And we're going to give you an opportunity to work with us on a, an ongoing basis. And we can be your guide through retirement and, and you know monitor how you're doing and, and showing you what, what changes you need to make along the way. Okay. And that number to call Steve, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. The first step is to sit down with a financial advisor. And if something we're talking about today resonates with you, whether it's tax planning, social security, healthcare, or if you just want that overall big picture give steve a call again that number it's 800-705-9995 800-705-9995 and if you feel the need just to get that second opinion or if you want to make sure your plan is really aligned with your goals you want to call steve steve's an advisor you can trust with over two decades of experience he's a fiduciary um, he's right there by your side, listening to your concerns and plans for the future. Let him put together a lifetime customizable retirement plan for you. Just like his book, no cookie cutter approaches here, folks. You want to give Steve a call. His spots are filling up fast. He's got a few spots left. 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995 in order to get in touch with Steve. Can't believe it, but our last segment is on the way. What's coming up? When we come back, it's time for questions from our listeners. Good stuff right after this. And welcome back to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve's the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist and president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the Eastern Seaboard. And he is a fiduciary with over two decades of experience. I want to just note that because that is important to, to, uh, to note there. You want someone who's got the experience, who's by, their, by your side, and uh, putting a plan into place for you. And time now for some listener questions. Get a lot of these every week. And these are some good ones. We've got Alex in York. 
His question is, how do I roll over a simple IRA to a Roth IRA? Hey, Alex, this is a great question, and it's right on it's right on track with what we were talking about earlier, where people pay taxes unnecessarily. And so this is one that um, we see a lot. So you can convert a simple IRA into a Roth. Um, obviously, you have to pay the income tax when you convert it. But what a lot of people fail to realize is you must participate in the simple IRA for at least two years before you remove the funds. So if you, if you say, had been in that simple IRA only for a year and you remove it to do a Roth conversion, um, you're going to incur a 25% penalty. And so talk about paying unnecessarily high taxes or fees. Um, that's, that's a big one right there. So um, you want to make sure you've, you've participated in the simple IRA for at least two years before you remove any funds. If, the, if you've passed that two-year limitation, then you're just going to owe taxes. Um, but it's going to add on to whatever your tax bracket is. So now if you lost a job and you had a simple IRA and you're rolling it over um, and you've had it longer than the two years, maybe you're in a lower tax bracket, so it's okay to convert it. But what if you took a job where you're making more money? Now you're adding on that money on top of your existing income and you could be paying a higher percentage taxes. So there's a lot of stuff to think about. So it's not a simple answer, but it's a great question. And um, the one other little note on that, Alex, is that if you are changing custodians, you may need to transfer the account as is, as a simple IRA to the new custodian and then convert it to the Roth at the new firm. Um, it's usually a lot cleaner to do with it that way anyway, because you're going to be dealing on the ongoing basis with the new firm. It's better to get all the tax reporting from them anyhow. So um, usually you're going to want to, if you have a simple IRA at say Morgan Stanley, and now you're, you're working with someone at TD Ameritrade, you'd want to transfer the simple IRA as is to TD Ameritrade first and then convert it at, at the new institution in this case, TD Ameritrade. And so um, very great, very great question. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Lots of information there. Our next question is from Tyler in Silver Springs. What advantages do exchange-traded funds have over mutual funds? Uh, I am a huge fan of exchange-traded funds, Tyler. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit on four of the common advantages. First of all, they're tax efficient. So what do I mean by that? Well, with a mutual fund, they buy shares, um, and sell shares when you, they issue you shares when you buy and they redeem shares when you sell. So we're gonna talk about that negative in a second. But the other thing too, is that you're a proportionate owner of whatever stocks they already own. So let's just say that mutual fund manager bought a Microsoft in 1983. And so now going back to the first point I made, they sell, they redeem shares when people sell. Right? So we have a, a market like March and the floodgates open and people start selling their fund. Well, now that manager has to meet the redemptions. Let's just say you bought the fund in February of last year. Well, now that manager needs to meet redemptions. So they have to sell stocks to meet those redemptions. So in order to generate the cash to pay the investors that want out, they have to sell, say, Microsoft, which they bought in 1983 that stock could have had a 8,000% gain. You've owned the fund for one month. They flow that gain to the, share, the shareholders. So even though you've owned the fund for one month, it's like you owned Microsoft or the Microsoft piece of that fund since 1983, and you therefore have to pay capital gains tax. They send you something called the capital gains tax, uh, capital gains tax distribution. Mm -hmm. And so what I've always compared that to is going to a bar at last call and waking up with a hangover. And so that's, that's, it. that's exactly what it's like. Whereas uh, an ETF is a fixed amount of shares. Um, there's no capital gains distributions. Um, so they're very, very tax efficient. Also, there's no um, investment minimums on ETFs. You can just buy one share of something. Um, whereas... A mutual fund, a lot of times they'll have a minimum investment of 1000 or 25000 2500 or $10,000. Some of them are $25,000, $50,000. So depending on the mutual fund, there can be um, a minimum investment. Uh, ETFs, no minimum investment. The big one is fees. 
So when you have a mutual fund, typically they're actively managed, meaning that you're paying for a manager. And that manager is usually at a minimum going to charge you about a 45 basis points, which is a little under a half of a percent at a minimum. Um, and then the mutual fund company usually to create all those glossy sheets and things that are used to sell their mutual fund, they charge you a fee on that too, like a distribution fee called a 12B1 fee. And so all in a lot of times though, the, a mutual fund, a, t- a standard growth mutual fund might charge you between one and one and a quarter percent of your investment. Whereas a standard ETF, like for example, the Vanguard US growth ETF charges four one hundredths of a percent. So would you rather pay one and a quarter percent for your portfolio or four one hundredths of a percent? Well, I got news for you. The, the person who's paying four one hundredths of a percent has a pretty good head start. So that manager has, has dug himself in a hole that he has to get out of um, right off the bat. And so, um, and the last, the last one obviously is you have more control. So mutual funds only trade one time a day. So you put in an order and at the end of the day, they redeem the shares. Um, or when you buy, you purchase it at the end of the day, whereas an ETF is uh, traded actively throughout the day. But another great question, Tyler. Thanks. Yes, yes, definitely. Lots of, lots of good information about that one. And our next one's from Barbara in West Ocala. I own a stock worth $170,000. It's been decreasing in value for the last 10 years. How can I turn this into the start of a retirement fund? I am a 51-year-old woman with no children, no dependents, and no retirement savings at all. I work hard but live on what I earn and cannot seem to save anything extra. I'm interested in taking my stock, this is interesting, and diversifying it into cannabis or Bitcoin. What do you think? Uh, This is... A sign of the times, Barbara. Um, mm-hmm. So as much as, you know, you may be excited about cannabis stocks or Bitcoin, um, they're very volatile asset classes. So, you know, you, you definitely want to, you never want to make decisions outside the context of a plan. But if you're saying that you really have this $170,000 and you're looking to, um, to turn it into a retirement fund, you don't want to take all of your money and put it into something super risky like that. That would be um, that'd be silly because while it could double in value, it could also, um, in just a short amount of time, you could lose fifty to sixty percent of your money. And you know when when you have money that you can't afford to lose um, and it goes down, you make bad decisions. So one of the things that we always talk about on this show, Barbara, is making decisions from a position of strength and. If you're taking every last dollar you have and you put it in something very volatile, it doesn't matter if you tell yourself you have a a high risk tolerance until you actually see your 170 go down to 70. um, You don't know if you're not going to sell it. Right. And you're much more likely if that's all the money you have and you and you see it drop tremendously, you're much more likely to make a panic decision and sell out. So I wouldn't advise you to do that. Um, What you could do is segment your assets and maybe diversify out of that stock. If you have a loss, um, you could take the deduction on the loss and, you know, we could look and see what your goals are for retirement and segment it into buckets. And maybe with, you know, there might be a possibility to carve out say 5,000 of that money and put it into something like cannabis or Bitcoin, um, you know, as a kind of a, a speculation type play within within the growth growth piece of your portfolio, but definitely you wouldn't want to take all 170 and put it into Bitcoin or, or cannabis. Our last question, Nate in the villages. When I retire, I will have a pension, social security, 401k and Roth IRA as sources of income. My pension and social security will cover most of my living expenses, but not all. To make up the difference, which account would make the most sense to draw from first, my 401k or Roth IRA? Nate, another great question. There is no set formula as to which account to draw from first. Um, typically, given those choices, um, the one you would want to normally draw from last, but again, you'd have to do an individualized plan just to just to double check. But typically, you want to withdraw from the Roth last because the whole benefit of the Roth IRA is that the money that you make is tax-free. So you'd want to give that, mo- that account the longest time to grow. Um, but there are situations um, where it may make sense to take from the Roth first, depending on if taking from the IRA is going to 
move you from, say, a a 12% bracket to a 22% bracket, there might be a situation where it makes sense to take from the Roth IRA before you take from the 401k. So um, typically, you'd take from the 401k before you'd take from the Roth, but it's not always the case. And so it's one of those things where um, there's no there's no simple answer you'd have to do. You'd have to put together a plan and look at what your actual um, spending goals are and, and how much money you're actually going to need and what the tax implications would be of taking out that money. Okay. All right. Great questions. Great questions. Lots of information. And I know, Steve, you've got the final offer for today for our Yeah, listeners. we still have three more spots. And so, um, you know, we're going to do a custom design and we're, we're going to give you kind of an easy to understand, boil it down to a few pages, uh, financial review that's going to look at your fees. It's, we're going to help you craft your well-defined goal. We're going to show you what your lifestyle is probably going to cost. Um, we're going to give you the opportunity to let us be your, your Sherpa or your guide through this process of retirement. Um, and, um, you know, that forensic fee analysis, like we've talked about time and time and time again. So we're, we still have three more spots and, uh, love to hear from you. And that number to call, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. It's an excellent chance for you to get a true practical financial review. And you can also get a roadmap, a roadmap that's going to get you where you need to be. In short, folks, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Give Steve a call right now. Just a couple spots left. And I do hear the phone ringing, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Take the stress out of planning for your future and give Steve a call right now. As always, Steve, I had such a great time. Can't believe the show has just flown by. I can't wait for next weekend. Yeah, I will see you next weekend. Let's go enjoy this weather. Yes, yes, and we'll see you right back here next week with new topics, new questions, and a whole lot of fun with The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Thank you. Have a great weekend, everybody. The information on this program is educational in nature and is not intended to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, or other purposes. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of subjects discussed. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should always seek advice from a financial, insurance, legal, or tax professional that takes into account all of the particular facts and circumstances of an investor's own situation. Laurel Wealth Solutions and or Stephen Caruso offer investment advisory and financial planning services through Bellpoint Asset Management, LLC, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Registration with SEC should not be construed to imply that the SEC has approved or endorsed qualifications or the services Bellpoint Asset Management offers, or that its personnel possesses a particular level of skill, expertise, or training. 